0: When I was a kid, one of my favorite things to do was to make the 15-minute walk to the public library in Yonkers, New York, the main branch. It was a building of some age, and it was a beautiful building, the way you know banks and libraries used to be, beautiful. What made it especially beautiful to me and for my imagination was that during the Depression, during the, one of the programs called Public Works Administration, the Roosevelt administration had put thousands of workers to work, building bridges and building roads. You know about that. But what's not always known so well is that they also put artists to work because art was thought to be important to the life of the country. And so in this particular library building, artists drew and painted murals all over. And they were murals of the Hudson Valley region scenes. It was uh, Henry Hudson coming down or up the river, I forget which. At the entrance to the building, there were words painted over the lintel. And there were words that always captured me as I was walking in. And they said, ye shall know the truth and the truth shall set ye free. That was great. I thought it was from the Declaration of Independence or maybe the Bill of Rights. I was quite sure it was guaranteeing me intellectual freedom. At nine or ten years old, I could go into that library and check out any darn book I wanted to. And I couldn't be stopped. It was part of the American dream for me, the dream of independence and self-sufficiency. Truth is what we make of it. That's what truth is. Truth is what any individual or community makes of it. That's how we understand it nowadays. Since I was a kid and had some inkling of that's the way things could go, we've slid down that ladder. Remember at the inauguration of Donald Trump, Afterwards, when the crowds were clearly seen to be fairly thin, Trump pushed his uh, spokesman out the door to declare there were hundreds and thousands of people and more than President Obama had, even though we saw that there weren't. During the Iran Contra uh, controversy in Washington, this is back in the Reagan administration, When the hearings were going on in Congress, the White House issued so many statements rebutting what was being said by testimony that finally a reporter raised his hand and said, "Okay, which statement are we supposed to believe? And the spokesman said, the last statement of the day is the truth until tomorrow. So Good Friday, I think, is all about a confrontation with truth, about truth. Jesus is standing before Pilate. He's bloodied. He's exhausted. And he says, everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. And what does Pilate say? There's a pause. What's truth? That's how I hear it. What's truth? It might interest you to know that in the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the word truth combined is used 11 times. But in John's Gospel, the word truth is used 27 times. We first hear it in the prologue, in those beautiful words that we know by heart. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. The last three times that the word truth is used in John's gospel, it's in the passion. Jesus, exhausted and beat, beaten in an utter failure, hours from death, proclaims that he has come to bear witness to the truth? And the response is, what is truth? It's interesting to note that that's the last time the word truth is used. Now John, who is so careful, so so carefully put together this gospel, allows that certainly most important word to his theology allows that word to be uttered from the lips of Pilate, who wouldn't know the truth if he tripped over it. Pilate gets the last word, and it's a question. What is truth? I don't think it's by accident. I think John means to have this question hanging out for the rest of history, for all of us to answer on our own. What is truth? truth? What's the truth that you hold on to? What's the truth that gets you out of bed in the morning? What's the truth that allows you to love? What's the truth about your life, the life of your community, your communities? What's the truth about all of us? For John, this Jesus standing battered and broken Before the Pilate, the Roman governor, he is the truth. The joke is on Pilate. Pilate is standing before the truth. And we are let into that secret that Christ is the truth. This Jesus far from power, far from fame, certainly notorious, is the truth of God's love. In the New York Times just this morning, there's a guest essay I commended to you by Shalom Auslander. He talks about his uh, childhood religious upbringing in an Orthodox uh, Jewish family. And he talks in great detail about the, the the teachers, the rabbis who taught him, and the story of the Passover. How they really emphasized the slaughter of the firstborn of Pharaoh, the slaughter of the Egyptian army, and how they went on and created additional story, the kind of midrash, where they talk about how the mother's milk, the Egyptians' mother's milk, turned to blood, and really horrific stories. And he would raise his hand and say. Isn't that bad? He makes a strong case, and the title of his article is, I propose that we give up God. Give up God. Except, except Jesus, the physical self-expression of God, stands before Pilate as God's response to our fantasies of righteous power, and slaughtering our enemies, whether physically or verbally. Jesus absorbs the blows, he bleeds, he dies, forgiving and loving to the end. And that's the truth about God. Jesus is God with and for us. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself and entrusting to us the work of reconciliation. That's the truth. So how does the truth set us free? How does this hard truth set us free? Well, the truth set Jesus free to die. Quite the opposite of my imagination when I was nine or ten the truth would set me free to be famous. But the truth set Jesus free to die. And what kind of freedom is that? There's a scene from the musical Hamilton, and I assume nowadays everyone has listened to the soundtrack once, where the uh, revolutionary army has, the rebels have just won the decisive battle. And the British troops as they're walking off uh, defeated are singing a song that apparently they actually sang in that moment. And the song is called, The World's Turned Upside Down. Remember it? The world's turned upside down. And it had. And on Good Friday it did in a much more dramatic way. But you know, it's hard for us with the world turned upside down, being asked to see things completely differently from the ways we've been raised or brought up to see them, the way the world so frequently sees them, it's hard. And so we do our best to write it, right? We take what's upside down now by God's grace and God's love and we try to write it and so Over the centuries, we've created theologies of atonement, of the death of Jesus, that tell us that there was a wrathful God who needed a blood sacrifice, only none of us were good enough, so God had to send God's child to be murdered. That's still preached. That's turning the truth right side up. That's the old world. That's the world we thought was the truth, but it's not. So what is the truth about our lives? What have we been set free to do? We've been set free to live generously and simply. We've been set free to love. We've been set free to give of ourselves as much as we can. We've been set free to see the other and all others as our sisters and brothers. We've been set free to lay down our weapons and take on the armor of light. We're free to live our lives as a gift and in gratitude and not in fear. And so we today behold his glory, the glory of God's own child, full of grace and truth. There will always, there will always be pilots telling us, no, we've got it wrong. But don't believe them. The world is turned upside down. We are held in that upside-down world in God's eternal embrace. All of us and for all of us. We've been set free. Amen.